Thank you, uh, worship team, for leading us this morning. That was incredible. I feel like I'm stepping into holy ground here, and I don't want to mess it up. I'm not sure if I should just preach or, or what, but let's just uh, continue in God's presence and uh, continue to ask him to have his way this morning. I'm not sure where this is going, but we'll, uh, we'll let the Holy Spirit lead. Many years ago, there was a time when the world was green. And I don't mean the Garden of Eden green, I mean pre-pandemic green. <laughs> we were not level three, not level two, not level one. There were, many years ago, there was a time when the world was level free. Get it? And when the world was green, some of you will remember this, you could get on things called airplanes. Do you remember that? And it sounds crazy, but you could get on these, these, these flying pipes with other humans, and, and you could travel to other parts of the world. People used to do this. And Crosspoint, when the world was green, Crosspoint used to send people uh, on short-term missions teams all over the world. Some of you have been on those. If you've been on those, wave your hand if you've been on one of those, like four of us in here. Where's, where's Todd and Karen? Yeah, you, you served in Russia for how many years, Todd? Uh, nine. Nine. Uh, and good morning to those of you watching online at the 9 a.m., not the 11, so hopefully you remember to wake up and join us. Good morning, online friends. We're glad that you're with us. And uh, anyhow, these short-term trips that you would go for a week or two and serve and give and see what God is doing in other parts of the world, and going on a trip like that would... Most of the time, it would blow your mind. It would just, it would just uh, expand your worldview. And it, it erases ignorance when you get out of your little world and go and see what life is like for other people. And it erases the stereotypes. And it helps you appreciate. Not appreciate all the stuff that you have. That's not what you'll appreciate. You'll get there and you'll appreciate what they have. And they will teach you, and you'll feel like, wow, okay, I've got so much to learn about, about life. Uh, one particular place the Cross Point has served is this little tiny spot right on the edge of Mozambique in the Indian Ocean. It's a place called Shai Shai, X-A-I-X-A-I, Shai Shai, Mozambique. I've been there a couple of times. And the, the Wesleyan Church has a Bible college in this like, by the time you get to South Africa and then drive through Mozambique and get out to this little tiny spot and then see a Wesleyan Bible college there, it just blows your, your mind. And um, I remember the missionary, Ori Lehman, telling us that, look, these people don't, they're not envious of what you have. They don't want all the stuff. They, they see the stuff that you have as trappings. And it's just things that complicate life. It's just stuff that, that is more prone to trip you up. In fact, they, they probably feel sorry that you have so much, right? It just blows, blows your mind. Um, there was a joy and an expression of worship in the Mozambique people that I will never, ever forget. Watching people singing as they literally came out of the woods, you're like, where are they coming from? I don't know. 
dressed like you would not believe, like just, you know, looking beautiful, sharp, carrying their chair to church. How many of you would do that? Carrying their chair or, or willing to sit on the floor for hours. And you could hear them singing on their way to church as they're coming out of the woods. And they would sing for hours and just worship Jesus with an exuberance that, I mean, you got to see it to, to, to believe it, right? And trips like this open your eyes to the fact that the church of Jesus is alive and well around the world, right? Um, the Bible college told us that they would literally have people, <clears throat> excuse me, like literally come out of the woods and, and tell them, I have a church back, miles back that way. I've got a group of people and we meet underneath a tree and we do church and I'm trying to teach them about God and who Jesus is. And so this pastor would, would attend the little Bible college and get some, get some training and then take it back miles into who knows where, he knows where, and, and serving a group of people out there. It's fascinating. Um, LifeWay Research estimates that there are nearly 2.6 billion Christians on the planet right now. You are not alone. 2.6 billion. And that number is growing exponential every day. So revival is always happening somewhere. We just, we, Ashley was talking about revival. She didn't know this was in my notes. But revival is, it's always happening somewhere. And so as a part of God's family, you're a part of that. We, keep, we always pray for revival to come. It, it, it has come. It's just not in Marysville right at the moment. But there are hot spots around the world where revival is happening. And it's good for me, me to be reminded that the church of Jesus is alive and well. And I've seen it in Mozambique. And I've seen it on a sugarcane plantation in the middle of Cuba. And I've seen it in Israel. And Todd has seen it in places like Russia, and you've, other people have traveled, and you've seen it. And knowing that you are a part of a, a growing eternal revival is encouraging. And that is one of the ways that Paul encouraged the church in Colossians. He said in, in verse 6 of chapter 1, Paul says, this same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. There it is. And it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. It's, it's, it's going out all over the world. It's awesome. Now, Colossae, when this was written, was probably a city of uh, around 25 or 30,000 people, they estimate. And there's no way that this Epaphras, his, his church of people, I don't, we don't know how many people it would have been, but they were house churches. Um, when Paul wrote and said, all the world, there's no way that they could have imagined at that time what, what, what is all the world, let alone um, understand that at any given time, you know, years down the road, there'll be billions following Jesus. That, that wouldn't have made any sense at the time. So they didn't know it, but they were on 
they got in on the ground floor of an eternal juggernaut called the church that has survived and thrived through every century, every attempt uh, to, to snuff it out, to, to burn it out. Uh, and the church will continue until, until the return of Christ. Like it'll, re- it'll continue for eternity. And you are a part of that. Amen. Church is not a moment on Sunday morning. This is not church. Church is not a moment on Sunday morning. Church is a movement, right? Church is a movement around the world. It's not a building that you go to. It's a movement you belong to. And I, I know we always say, well, I'm going to go to church. You know, I'm going to go to church. This is church. But church is, a, is, is, is something way bigger than this. 2.6 billion people around the world worshiping Jesus. It's a movement that you belong to. And I know that when we come here week after week after week, and we've been in pandemic and everything else, it, it, might, it probably doesn't feel like you're a part of some global movement that's exploding like wildfire, but you are. But you are. The church of Jesus is alive and well. And when the church feels stuck or when the church is stuck, I think it's our problem. I think it's on us to not be content with stuck, to get a holy discontent and say, you know, and just, just dig down deep, say, I will not let my church die, and I won't let my church be stuck, and, and, and Jesus is alive, and this is still true, and this matters more than anything, and so I'm going to be a part of, of, of awakening and shaking and rattling and getting this thing going in this community and for Jesus. Pierre and I are ready to go. It's our mission to be in tandem with the mission of God and keep moving until Jesus returns. That's our mission. So let's read it. It's, uh, we're going to read a few verses from Colossians chapter 1. going to read verse 6 again, and we're going to go all the way to verse 10. Where Paul says, the same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. And it's bearing fruit everywhere by changing lives, just as it changed your lives from the day you first heard and understood the truth about God's wonderful grace. You learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping us on your behalf. He has told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. What a beautiful verse. So, we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord. And your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. Isn't that great? Your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. I've, uh, I've planned for us to, to cover all the way from 6 to verse 10 this morning. We might not even get out of verse 6. I don't know. We'll just see how this goes. 
The term good news and and gospel, if you hear those words used, they're interchangeable. They mean the same thing, good news and gospel. The words mean, uh, they sum up uh, the life and teaching and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. That's what good news and gospel mean. The, The life, ministry, the teaching, the death and resurrection of Jesus. Good news, gospel, interchangeable. And Paul describes the way that Christianity is, this news about Jesus, this good news, yes? Man, I can't wait for the day when those masks are off and I can see you smile because it's good news, right? And Paul says this good news is going out around the world like a contagion. Too soon? Like a virus. Too soon? It's spreading. And, um, but I, I, I just kind of cherry picked that one. But what he really says is it's like a seed. It's blown and carried by the Holy Spirit. It's, it's the Holy Spirit that carries this and blows this. And it takes root in good soil. And like a tree that, you know, each piece of fruit is packed with, with seeds to just, to just reproduce exponentially the church, us, right now, is packed with potential. You are are full of potential for the church of Jesus Christ, each one of you, okay? So as, as Christ followers, we are to go, we are to sow, spread the good news of Jesus, and then grow, and, and I know that sounds like an old three-point sermon, but... But it's true to, to take root and to grow and multiply. There's something in each one of us that is a part of God's eternal movement called the church and it's good news. And this is what Paul is telling the church in Colossians. Hey, God is doing something incredible and he's doing it around the world and you are a part of that. In the same way that this good news came to you and it took root in you and then you started to grow, that is, that's happening everywhere. Last week we wanted, or last week we asked you, I asked us to consider how do I want to be remembered? What do I, you know, what do you want on your tombstone? And I don't mean pizza. What do you want on your, you know, what, how do you want to be remembered? Um, I told you I was sick. Um, <laughs> how do you want to be remembered? How do we want Crosspoint to be remembered? And churches, church, people don't plant churches so that they can die. Right? And you think now, how did this church, why is there a church in Mary's in Mary, why, did, why is this church here? How did it get here? And it got here by a group of people who were filled with vision. And they, were, they believed that Jesus was the hope of the world. And they saw a need for a church. And they said, we've, we've got to go and build this church. And, and these churches, these older churches, came with tremendous sacrifice. You know, if you see a church that's 60, 80, 100 years old, the people that built that, they didn't have any money. They didn't have any resources. And it took tremendous sacrifice. And they were fired up. They didn't do it because they were bored. They didn't plant a church because, you know, thinking, well, that probably won't last, but we'll do it anyhow. They had tremendous vision 
that this church is needed, that there are children who need to hear about Jesus and young people who need to hear about Jesus and young families that need to hear about Jesus and people my age that need to hear about Jesus and people who are more chronologically experienced than I am who need to hear about Jesus. Is that a nice way of saying it? Right? When you see a church close or for sale or all boarded up, that building, how did it get there? It was, it was built with tremendous vision, sacrifice. Someone believed that Jesus was the hope of the world. And, and um, we have... Uh, we have some, in, some working values that we use as a staff. There's five of them. And uh, one of our values that we use as a staff is keep moving things forward. Just keep moving things forward. And often we joke that we're moving at the speed of church. Churches aren't known to be fast. We're moving at the speed of church. But we need to know that what we're doing Counts. What we're doing matters. We're making a difference for Jesus. We're, we're moving things forward for Jesus. Uh, we're working together with you to make Jesus famous in this city and as far as our reach will go. Imagine uh, inviting someone to church and, and, and saying, yeah, it's, um, it's pretty dead. You probably won't like it. It's boring. I, I take a book and, you know, I, I, I load some stuff on my phone and, and uh, you know, um, I mean, that's awful, right? And that's, that's not what Paul writes to the Colossians. He writes to say, you are a part of something awesome. This, this is, this is the, 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 the good news of Jesus Christ and it's going everywhere and people just like you are, are being saved and transformed and, and healed and forgiven. They're finding new life in Jesus, and it's awesome. Well, I, I'm excited about that. We did a series here last fall called Grow. Glad you remember it. <laughs> and in the second part of uh, verse 6, Paul says that they are bearing fruit everywhere. Bearing fruit everywhere. Now, I know that, that COVID has made this really hard for churches to grow and to bear fruit. It's, it's been difficult on, it's been difficult on everything, but it's been difficult on churches too. And um, if, if, it, if things were normal and we were in level three, um, you know, there, there would be ways that we would be partnering with you for spiritual growth, and most of those ways are illegal right now. So we can't do that. I can't recap the whole Grow series, but, but just to remind you that when you are more patient, you are growing spiritually, okay? When you are more kind, you're growing spiritually, when you see the need of a brother or a sister and you respond to that, you're growing spiritually. You're like Jesus. When you are more compassionate, you're growing spiritually. When you are less argu argumentative, that's a hard word. When you're less that, um, you're growing spiritually. The transforming power of Jesus is not a one-time shot at salvation. 
Maybe you need a booster too soon. This, this transforming power of Jesus that, that comes into your life when you cross that line of faith and you say, okay, right now, right in this moment, I believe that Jesus is the risen, resurrected son of God and I'm inviting him to be, to come into my life, to be Lord of my life. I'm gonna follow him, serve him. There is a transforming power of the Holy Spirit that comes into your life. That is not a one-time shot. And that just keeps working in you and, and changing you until you die. If you are breathing, and most of you are, if you are breathing this morning, God's not done with you. And you are, you are moving away from your old self and you are just becoming more and more like Jesus until you die, until you're with him. Yes, this is yes, okay? And that's exciting. Um, if you surrender to that, if you surrender to that, you don't resist the work of God in your life. Healthy things grow. Healthy churches grow. Growth is normal. Stuck is weird. Growth is normal. Stuck is weird. Because, gang, like, there's no shortage of lost people. We're sitting in a stocked pond. The church of Jesus should be alive and well and growing all week after week after week after week. Yes. Paul says this, this good news is going out and it's changing lives. Going out and changing lives is deep and wide. It's deep in me and it's wide around the world. It's deep and it's wide. Deep and wide. It's local and it's global. We need to be, Crosspoint needs to be, Jesus deep and others wide. It's changing lives. That's the deep part, changing lives. It's transforming power. It goes deep into our lives and we get rooted in Christ. <clears throat> Excuse me, and it's going out. That's wide. When someone asks, well, how much of your church budget goes to missions? All of it. Everything that we do here at Crosspoint is to reach others with the good news of Jesus Christ. It's why we exist. All of it. Um, when you give to Crosspoint, um, when you give to Crosspoint, this morning, sacrificially, did I mention it's February? <laughs> when you give to Crosspoint, um, you are giving, every dollar goes to the mission of God. That's, that's literally what we do with it. And yes, you should support specific missions and give to missions and support specific missionaries. But every dollar that comes into this church, you are sowing, sowing into the work of God in people's lives here and out there, deep and wide, deep and wide. Um, Paul explained it this way in Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 4. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. 
It is only by God's grace that you've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace. Um, Think about that again. I'm going to say that again. Take that one personally. So God can point to you, to me, in all future ages. Imagine as examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. You can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, thankfully. So none of us can boast about it, for we are God's masterpiece. (laughs) He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Wow, that's good stuff. You will never get a better offer than grace. You might get some good offers in life, you know, along the way. and think, oh, well, that's a good deal. That's a good offer. You will never get a better deal, a better offer than the grace of God. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. Mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Grace, Grace is accepting forgiveness paid for by the blood of Jesus, that makes you right with God. Grace is accepting forgiveness that was paid for by the blood of Jesus, and it makes you right with God. It's grace that holds us in a right relationship with God. It's grace that, that pardons us and says, you can go free. You're guilty. Oh, oh, yeah, you're really guilty, but you get to go free. That's grace. We deserve death, but we receive grace. We should have taken the punishment on the cross, but Jesus bore our pain. That's grace. And you can come this morning and lay down a lifetime of sin and regret, and you can walk away in the fresh air of freedom and forgiveness, and that's grace. You can come in here this morning with with a dumpster full of wreckage and pain and heartache and and junk and whatever else. Back that truck up and lay it down at the feet of Jesus and just unload all of that stuff and walk out of here this morning breathing the fresh air of freedom. That's grace. And you'll never get a better offer than grace. You can find a better offer than that. I'd like to know what it is. Because you're trading death for life. Thank you. I think that came from online. I think, I think that was an online amen. We'll take it. It's important to never lose sight of the grace of God that reached down into your pit and pulled you out. Okay? Don't ever lose sight of what the grace of God has rescued you from. Just before I came up to preach, I turned to this scripture. It's one of my favorites. I didn't intend to read it this morning, um, but the next service doesn't start till 11. Let's do it. Let's do it. Psalm 40. 
I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me, and he heard my cry. And he lifted me out of the pit of despair, out of the mud and the mire. That's grace. Don't forget where you were before you met the grace of God. He set my feet on solid ground, and he steadied me as I walked along. He's given me a new song to sing, <laughs> a hymn of praise to our God, and many will see what he has done and be amazed. Wow. They will put their trust in God. Oh, the joys of those who trust the Lord, who have no confidence in the proud or in those who worship idols. Oh, Lord, my God, you have performed many wonders for us. Your plans for us are too numerous to list. You have no equal. If I tried to recite all your wonderful deeds, I would never come to the end of them. Wow. Psalm 40. I don't know. Are we done with verse 6? We haven't finished verse 6 yet. Verse 7, you learned about the good news from Epaphras, our beloved co-worker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he's helping us on your behalf. He's told us about the love for others that the Holy Spirit has given you. So Paul has, Paul has heard from Epaphras, the, the church planter, how, what God is doing in, in people's lives, how they're being changed, and, and, and the, the unique way, or the what God is doing, the way the, the Epaphras, what Epaphras told Paul was about their love for others. It's a beautiful thing. Now, if Jesus isn't making a difference in your life, something is wrong. If Jesus isn't making a difference in your life, you should be bothered by that. Don't, don't be content with that. And I'm not talking about you know, we all go through valleys and quiet seasons and times where, you know, it's just quiet. Or deserts, we all go through that. That's all normal, okay? Don't, don't think that, you know, you've lost your salvation or God has checked out on you or anything like that. But, but Jesus, the power of Christ, should be making a difference in our lives. I believe that. Epaphras has told Paul and Timothy how the people in his church are growing in their love for others. Bumper stickers are not going to change the world for Jesus. Ranting on Facebook. Have I mentioned the altars are open? <laughs> Come now. Ranting on Facebook is not going to change the world for Jesus. Railing against the government is not going to change the world for Jesus. Love for others is going to change the world for Jesus. Now, I'm just the interim guy. <laughs> I can preach and leave. It's wonderful. <laughs> Tuesday supper time, I'll be back on Grand Manan. Um, 
It's not my place to cast vision for the future of Crosspoint. But if it was, I would rally this church to love this city like never before. I think the way that, that we leave here and we go out like missionaries and we love the city with a ridiculous, over-the-top, non-judgmental, compassionate, just Jesus kind of love, I think, is, I think it's going to change the world. And I love that Paul reminds them that, that this love that they have is not normal. Paul says it comes from the Holy Spirit. The, the Spirit fills us and awakens us and shakes us and compels us to go out into the prisons and the shelters to the hungry and the orphan and the widow like Matthew chapter 25 tells us to do. It's that love. That, that, that stirs us and compels us and sends us out. I believe in you, Crosspoint. I believe in you. Your future is bright. And I believe that you will do this and Jesus will be glorified. Verse 9. Paul says, so we've not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will. Uh, let's read that. Um, let's count these things as we go we ask God to give you, one, complete knowledge of his will. Two, to give you spiritual wisdom. Three, and understanding. Then the way that you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit, and all the while you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. Um, Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, you know this one, probably trust in the Lord with all your... Don't depend on your own understanding. Just mesh this up with Colossians 1, verse 9, where Paul says, we ask God, let's leave that verse, the Proverbs up, where Paul says, we ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will, to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding and then compare that and mesh that up with Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Don't depend on your own understanding. Paul praying that, that God would give them spiritual wisdom and God's understanding. And Proverbs saying, don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And he will show you which path to take. See, nothing good happens when we lean on our own understanding. I tried that. Nothing good happens when I lean on my own understanding. You've heard me preach this before. Fleetwood Mac said you can go your own way, and I did, and it didn't work. Nothing good happens when I go my own way. And these people, this church in Colossians, we shared last week, they're, they're in a battle. They're, they're, they're being pressured from, from outside and being pressured from from inside and their faith might be their faith might be starting to wobble a little bit right and Paul prays for God to give them complete knowledge of his will to give them spiritual wisdom and to give them understanding it's 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 telling them look Jesus is enough. Don't go back to those idols. Don't wobble in your faith. Don't go back and, and kneel and bow again to some carved image in wood or in, in stone. Um, don't rely on your, your smarts and your good looks. 
Not many of you rely on your good looks, but some of you do. Paul says this is something radically different. You are now in a relationship with the living God. And you can get wisdom and spiritual understanding from the creator of the universe. Which do you want? Do you want to, you want to pray to a stick or a carved image? Do you want to rely on this thing? Or would you rather know God's will and, and, and be led by God? Wow. God loves you. God wants to speak into your life and give you wisdom and lead you and show you his good and perfect will. And Paul says that when we get that, Paul, it's right there in that scripture. Paul says, when we get those things, when we get knowledge and spiritualism and understanding from God, our lives will honor God, produce good fruit, and we will grow all the while as we learn more about God and we get to know God better and better and even more betterer. It's right there in Colossians 1, 9 and 10. I mean, I don't have to preach it. I just have to read it. It's right there. Gang, there's something beautiful here. It's in this text. It's in our worship this morning. Um, there is a, uh, a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit in this room this morning that I know is real. Um, I came in here needing it. I came in here praying for it. No, I'm not taking credit for it. Um, goodness, it's happening in spite of me. Let's put it that way. And um, there, there's, I don't, I don't want to put too many words to it because you have your story and your words that you're crying out to God right now of what you need. Um, middle of February... <laughs> that's enough, right? Um, but I, I really do sense the Lord wanting to work in our hearts and lives this morning. Um, for me, it, it, it was uh, that word of revival that Ashley shared and this idea of we are the church, and we're supposed to be alive and well and growing, and, and I know that life is hard, trust me. Um, but, but, boy, I don't want to be just, I don't want to be stuck. I don't want, and I don't want Crosspoint to be stuck. And um, you, maybe your prayer is for a new awakening, um, for revival in me, in you. Um, maybe it's Psalm 40, I waited patiently for the Lord. And he bowed and he heard my cry and he lifted me up out of the pit, out of the mire in the clay. And then I'll, I sang a new song. Maybe you need to leave here this morning singing a new song. Um, so as we respond in worship, um, let's, let's be obedient to the Holy Spirit. Uh, if you need to come and pray at the altar, 
I invite you to do that. Uh, you can kneel right where you are, um, however you want to respond. But I would encourage you to not let this opportunity pass you by and that we can all leave here this morning uh, like an army, of uh, a love army. A love army for Jesus going back out into our city. Let's pray. God, I thank you. Um, I thank you this morning for your love and that you are here and you are patient with us, long-suffering. Um, you're gentle with us and your spirit is speaking with us this morning. And so, God, uh, have your way as we surrender to you, as we, as, we, as we get out of your way and just say, Jesus, uh, do whatever you want to do. Do whatever you need to do. May you be glorified in this, in this place and in our lives, we ask in Jesus' name.